welcome to the After School Special. It is our official first episode where we discuss the life as a teacher and how we manage to balance it all. Seeing as it is our very first episode, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Caroline and I'm with my co-host Vicky. So Vicky, why don't you let them know exactly who you are? Okay, so thank you, Caroline. Um, yeah, so I'm Vicky, and I guess we can kind of um, give a brief discussion or a brief like explanation of how this came about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I, um, I should actually start with you because you had asked me to do a podcast that you were um, you were involved in last year, yes. and you and I really kind of I feel like that really bonded us, and also. I felt like it was so natural to talk to you about like what we do in our careers, but also like personal issues um, and struggles that we had. And I think we just wanted to branch off from, from that and build in a way where this was more candid mm-hmm. and we weren't being limited to what we had to say. So I think this was like, yeah, I was just telling you earlier that, this is like long overdue and I'm glad that we're going for it. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like sometimes on TC squared, we did feel limited into what we could say. Um, which is why we decided that we were going to take all the important topics that we didn't really get to discuss and make it into its own podcast, which I think I'm super excited to be doing this because like you said, it's a long time coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was just long overdue. And we just have a, I think we just have a natural organic connection that we just understand each other. And I think you and I both have great insights and, you know, this is free therapy for both of us. And hopefully it's free therapy for other people who join and um, decide to listen. And whether or not you're a teacher, there's some things that you can get from what we talk about because it's not just stuff that goes on in the classroom. We do have funny stories for you. But it's also just life as in itself. So no matter what you do, there is something that you can take from this, I think. Absolutely. And I think the our even our, in our description, we said, like, we're two, like, career-driven women who are trying to balance it all. Mm-hmm. And we are in the eternal struggle if we will ever achieve balancing it all. <laughs> Which is very hard to do today. <laughs> um, so why don't you say a bit about yourself and then I'll say a bit about myself and then how we met and then we'll just start rambling on because that's what we do best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you again for the little segue. I'm Vicky. As mentioned before, I'm a, I guess, what is considered a rookie teacher. I have less than 10 years experience of teaching, but I sure love what I do. Of course, there's days where I want to pull my hair out, but you know, it's, um, it's blood, sweat and tears in this career. And I don't think I could have it any other way. Uh, from Canada, born and raised in Winnipeg, moved to Montreal from Calgary, where I got my two degrees and, uh, I met Caroline last year and we were teaching at the same school and it was like one of those things where I was like, friendship at first sight it really was <laughs> um so i'm also a rookie teacher i'm maybe a bit more cynical than you but that's okay that's what makes us fun to listen to um i'm currently teaching grade six i am from montreal but i did my education degree in ottawa um but concordia will always be in my heart um i i Taught kindergarten last year and then had to somehow jump all the way to grade six, which has been quite the experience. Still not entirely sure which one I like better, and that will always be a question that people ask me. Um, I struggle a lot with how to balance a social life and a teacher life, and I'm very, very bad at it. So when we say that this is free therapy for you, we really mean it's free therapy for us because I genuinely need you to listen to my feelings. (laughs) Um, so we just kind of want to rant today and what we do is come up with a list of things that we want to talk about and then we end up not looking at the list because we think of things as we go. So because this is such a candid, candid podcast, what should we talk about first? 
Should we talk about our struggles, the students? What do we want to go for today? Um, we can do struggles. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. Yeah, that's our first episode. We're already talking. About, we already stated <laughs> that we're going to be mentioning mentioning the struggles. So might as well might as well start with that. Why not? Um, what are the struggles that you're dealing with right now, being a new teacher, and what you're experiencing in the classroom and maybe out of the classroom? Uh, so I have an interesting um, teaching kind of scenario this year. So I teach grade four on like half of the week and two out of the five days at school, I am doing resource for a younger grade. And I think it's very interesting how um, I'm seeing things in two different views. So like I have my own homeroom, mm-hmm. uh, my kids I see on the daily, but I also have a whole like set of other students from a different grade who I see as well, but I'm not their homeroom teacher. And I really see like such contrast um, and how resource teachers are treated, but also how homeroom teachers are treated. So it's been very eye-opening, but I, you know, as much as I've had some like constraints, at least I'm learning from my colleagues and I'm still inspired by my colleagues and they kind of push me um, in atten- like not intentionally to try different things with their ideas. So, uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting ride this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Why do you think, and this is something that I'm asking myself as well, homeroom teachers versus every other teacher, whether you're a specialist or resource, why do you think that they get treated so differently? Because I feel sometimes more pressure is put on the homeroom teacher. And I've always wondered why. What do you think? Um, I feel like there's like a, it's like an unspoken tension. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because I'm in, like I experience it myself, but like I kind of saw it from an outside person, like an outside person, how, um, how homeroom teachers can teach, can treat uh, specialists or, mm-hmm resource teachers and I think it's we kind of need to get out of our bubble like yes we are we are home like there's homeroom teachers and we're you know in charge of like uh teaching entires of curriculum but the people like the specialists and the resource teachers like they have your back at the end of the day and they're doing the same thing like they're trying to help you get through a curriculum and specialists too like they have a curriculum to teach as well so I think we just really need to get out of that bubble of like you're not seeing or you're not going through the same things as me you know we just need to not think of it that way I don't know what I would do without my resource teacher she helps me for English and math and I think I would literally fall apart without her yeah and that's a great thing like that's a great mindset to have like that's such a like an moment of gratitude that goes a long way truly yeah and I'm also somebody that will genuinely admit that I'm struggling and that I feel absolutely lost Mm -hmm. which I find not it's not very common in the teaching field like I feel like what I've seen is people will put on this facade that everything is fine when it's really not and it's okay that it's not fine because usually it's not fine Um, especially when you're in like your first five years of teaching, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to admit that it's hard, but for some reason, whether you're new or old, there's this like idea that if you show you're struggling, you come off as a bad teacher. And I think that's so, such faulty thinking. Absolutely. And I feel like that thinking comes from how we you know in the news you hear it from like parents you hear it from other teachers you know we're just it's we're constantly scrutinized and I think when we admit that that we're struggling or like we're having some like we're having a moment of vulnerability we're like what am I doing I need to be I need to have it together I need to have my ish together yeah um I can't admit my weaknesses right now and it's like because we're always trying to prove these negative views of our career, Mm -hmm. like we're always proving, we're trying to prove that wrong. Yeah. So I think we have a hard time 
realizing or understanding. I know for myself, like it was a hard pill to swallow when I realized I couldn't really do it all mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to. Yeah. And we're, we do the best that we can and we want to believe that we can do it all. But especially worse, like we're thrown into this career after graduation, like we're mm-hmm. thrown into it, you know, um, you don't have a partner teacher like that you're with like you did in your practicums exactly. in your yeah like you don't have that you know you're thrown in there on your own you're solo and these kids are come are going to you like they've been given to you and you need to guide them so you don't really have a moment to be like oh I don't have it together like it's like you feel like you don't have that right to feel that way yeah and depending on your school and how the parents are sometimes if you I feel like if I were to admit that I don't have it all together I think I would just be completely ruined that's how I tend to feel that if you admit that you're struggling and a parent takes hold of that information they're going to say that well this person's not fit to teach my child which is totally not true mm-hmm and I think another struggle too, like hopefully you can agree with me, is just like I feel like with new teachers or rookie teachers, that term, um, it is being used against us. Like, yeah. oh, she's new. She just graduated. She doesn't know anything. But really, you know, we are coming. Yeah, you know, maybe we don't have the senior veteran experience as like our other colleagues in our schools, but we come from we just graduated. So we're coming from a different school of thinking, a different school of like pedagogy where mm-hmm. I think it should be like accepted because where we're coming from is like, you know, it's changing. It's maybe more th- for the more of like, we're uh, innovative compared yeah. to maybe the past and never, never no shade to my veteran colleagues, but like, why can't we just be open to like, there's different teaching styles. Yeah. And we're coming from different schools of pedagogy. Like, why can't we just be like, hey, this is so what she's new. She maybe she comes in with like fresh ideas, new approaches. Maybe she can um, she or he, sorry, uh, can bring something that we haven't seen before. Instead of viewing it as, oh, this person is new. They probably don't know enough to get them by. Mm -hmm. I that bothers me so much because. I'm the first one to admit that I'm still learning and that I'm open to learning. And I think being a teacher, you will always find yourself learning new things. And that never stops. So if I'm going to admit that I'm still learning and I need support, I don't need somebody else down my back telling me that I'm new and that I don't know enough. Like, I not today. That's no, I don't need that. Not only this, that, I think we already feel like we're already self-doubting ourselves. We don't need you to put more of your negativity upon mm-hmm. us. So, And I think that, 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 yourself. that kind of transfers into any line of work. When you're the new person in, you need help. You don't need people making you feel like, well, because you don't know enough, you're going to fail and I'm going to have to pick up the pieces. No, you want somebody that will come up to you and say, hey, I know you're new at this. We're going to help you. We were in your position too, and that's what people tend to forget is that before they had their 10, 15 years of experience, they all had a day one. So instead of being so negative, have a bit of empathy towards people that are having their day one also. Completely. And like we are, you know, there's that saying where it's like it takes a village. Mm -hmm. It really does. And I think people for like, I hope, I really hope people don't forget that, um, you're like whether you're a parent and you have and your child mm-hmm. like you have had several teachers teach your child and even you yourself like parent or not like you yourself were a student and you had several teachers teach you so it does take a village and this career it's collaborative and I think we need to be more like we need to remove that stigma of um we need to remove that stigma you know mm-hmm. that's against us yeah. like it's a collaborative career And I think something that I'm also struggling with kind of ties it all in together is nobody understands the teacher struggle like teachers. So when Mm -hmm. I talk to my friends or whoever about, you know, what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, 
they will, I don't think they can ever understand it like a fellow teacher can, you know, like they're, they'll say, oh, well, you know, work's done. Don't worry about it. Why do you work so much on the weekends? You don't get paid enough to work on the weekends. Why are you answering emails this time? But it's a reality that some jobs you work nine to five and it it ends at five o'clock. And when you go home, you don't bring it home with you. But unfortunately, I bring my work with me in my pocket wherever I go. I talk about it. I deal with it. I'm responding to emails way more than I should. I'm worrying about it probably more than I should. And people don't seem to understand that. Yep. So that's another struggle. It's like detachment. Like, yeah, we carry it yeah. all with us. It's in our work bags. It's in our phones. Like you said, the work emails. Um the educational app like apps that we use like yeah. it's all in our pocket it's in our face and the emotions come with it and I commend any teacher that can separate it with no issues and say like when the, that after school bell rings they can divide it all mm-hmm. yeah but like I can't right now <laughs> like I can't and it's really because I um, I'm learning to, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that's, I think the eternal struggle as record teachers is we're trying to balance it all, but also detach from it all when necessary for our sanity. I mean, we're dealing with people that question our teaching skills, people that question our capabilities. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with students that maybe like being at school more than at home. And you have to not only teach them, but you have to help their emotional needs and then we're trying to do all of that while somehow maintaining a personal life Mm -hmm. we are like the unsung heroes really we are we do it all and And i'm not trying to like gloat or whatever (laughs) like we really do it all one one moment you're a nurse because you gotta like give a band-aid Another moment, you're a therapist. Another moment, you're a mediator. Another yeah. moment, you are you're everything. Like, it's just, you're in those, like, eight hours. There's, like, that picture of, like, there's, like, a woman in the middle. She has a hat on, but then there's hats all around her, and it's, like, all the different things that teachers have to be in a day. And I'm, like, that is very accurate. And the funniest hat was Zookeeper. And I thought, but it's true because, like, I have a colleague a few classes over who has a bunny. Somebody else has a hamster. One of my students brought in a fish tank and he's trying to convince me to get a fish. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually a part-time zookeeper. This is insane. I mean, I don't want to be that person, but, like, we can always joke about how our students can be – our students all together can be a zoo. Sometimes that, too. A hundred percent. So, yeah, that zookeeper can be interpreted in different ways. It really can. Now that I think about it, sometimes I can see why somebody passing by my class would be like, wow, what is doing there? Mm-hmm. But it's all in good fun. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else I was thinking about, and then I lost my train of thought, and now I'm trying to think about it again, is, I don't know, I forget. And I was like, is oh, it- I need to talk about this. This is interesting. And then we got off topic, as usual, which is Was fine. Was it in regards to our struggles? Like, Yeah, one of my million so of struggles. Maybe, okay, so like, maybe I can kind of take over a little bit. I okay. think for me, uh, stereotypes. Yes. Because you and I are rookie teachers, I think it's pretty, it's, I mean, I'm going to, like, it's an unspoken thing to assume that you and I are in our younger mm-hmm. years. Yeah. <laughs> But those stereotypes, like, of how the younger teachers don't know anything, have lack of class management, Mm -hmm. da-da-da, you know? Like, I think, like, we're learning. Yeah. But we're doing, like, we're we're learning. Every day is something new we're learning. We're not going to have it all together on graduation day. And then have it all together in the classroom when we get, like, we don't. We don't. And we're going to learn. But I can guarantee you this, whether we're young or not, we're always going to have your child's best interests. Always. And that's what people forget all the time, mm-hmm. is that if I make a mistake, I should be in an environment where it's okay that I've made a mistake because we as a society should be empathetic. 
But regardless of the mistakes that I make or choices that you don't agree with, at the end of the day, I am looking out for your child whether or not you believe that. And I think sometimes parents can sometimes feel like you are for some reason against their child. But that is never the case. No matter what meeting I'm calling, no matter what, you know, what I'm putting into place in my classroom, it's because I want your child to leave my class being the best version of themselves. Yep. <laughs> I could have said it better. Like if I maybe we gotta add like an applause sound effect into to here, but yeah, could not have said it better than myself. I wish I could really... like yell it into like a megaphone and like the entire <laughs> island of Montreal would hear me say it. Like for like say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> but and and sometimes whether it's parents, colleagues, or people that you're telling the stories to, they're like, Oh my god, I can't believe you did that and I'm like, Well, I want the kid to be okay, though. Like, if I'm doing something that may seem weird to you, maybe it's working for that child. And sometimes maybe even the parent doesn't understand why you're doing something. But you know why you're doing it. Whether it's your first year teaching or your 10th, you know that you're doing something because it's going to be better for that kid. And we're told, like during our academic careers that like when you're a teacher you have to make sure you're not just teaching one way you're trying to like reach and accommodate to mm-hmm. all and approach education as well like in different like for all like learning styles you know so yeah. I like doing projects maybe <laughs> another colleague doesn't like doing projects but yeah. I like doing projects because I really think students they really express themselves better when they're tactile when they're hands-on when it's a different medium because not everyone is a brilliant writer and writing is hard sometimes and for me I teach French so like writing in French is Mm -hmm. extra hard (laughs) and students also need to have different teaching styles in their life if they were only used to one way of doing things they would be so Mm -hmm. close-minded but if you have a teacher one year that likes projects one that is really into books one that's into art you know, it kind of expands their their learning a little bit because they're doing different things every year and they're learning in different ways. And, you know, a child one year may absolutely not agree with the way teachers are... Uh, can you hear the beep every time my text goes off? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it's like <laughs> popping up on my screen. I'm like, oh my God, I must be so annoying right now. Um, if Okay, I heard that. Yeah, see? All right. <laughs> Well, this is candid, so get with it, people. (laughs) Like, a kid one year may really struggle because the way the teacher teaches is just not for that kid. But the year after that, they may really click with their teacher. And that's also life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I find kids are so sheltered nowadays where it's like they, they have to be, it's almost like they're in, like, a glass bottle. And we have to be so careful with the way that we are around them and the way we teach them. And we have to make sure that we're doing every little thing for them. But they also need to experience disappointment and heartbreak and hardship and sadness and boredom. Adversity. They need to experience adversity. And something that I have noticed lately in the classroom, and it's something that I am genuinely struggling with, is how to make things fun for kids. Because mm-hmm. they are in front of, like, these crazy video games with these intense graphics. They're in front of phones and iPads and everything is so instant that when you think you're doing a fun activity, I've had kids say, Miss, this is boring. And I'm like, oh my god, straight to the heart, jeez. <laughs> so it, it's almost as if nothing... that, that Stimulates some, them? No, and I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> I think, well, like, there's been multiple studies in recent years that have said, like, you need to reduce technology, like, technology technology time at home from young minds. Mm-hmm. Not only does it, like, affect them social, like, socially, emotionally, yeah. it also affects them, like, physically, <clears throat> and, like, they've even said it, it swells up the uh, frontal lobe. Which is where, if, correct me if I'm wrong, sorry listeners, if I'm like, I'm pretty sure psychology majors might like be steaming right now, but <laughs> your frontal lobe is where how you have your more, like it helps you make decisions, your moral compass, yeah. like it's the thing that helps you um, understand empathy. In fact, I took psych classes. Thank you. <laughs> Watch us both be wrong and psych majors are just fuming listening to this. 
I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> if, you, if you're a psych major, you know what? Let's have you on the next episode. We would love to talk to you about child development, please. You are welcome. <laughs> um, and exactly. And I, it, to me, it was so shocking going into grade six and seeing all the kids that had cell phones had had them for a year or two already or ones mm-hmm. that were getting it. And I'm like, what do you need a cell phone for? First of all, all your friends are in school. You don't need to call or text anybody. You can use the house phone. It's going to be fine. I was just... And the amount of kids that already have Instagram is so, so frightening. Uh, The amount of stories I hear from other fellow colleagues who say like, hey, guess which student found me on Instagram? Like, that's terrifying. I actually, the other day, I had... So I have two Instagram accounts. Here I am, Mm -hmm. like, you know, talking badly about social media. I have two accounts, whatever. (laughs) So I have a... We know, we know why you have to. We can go into detail about that later. We know why you have right. to. <laughs> so I have a personal one and then I have an author account. And I had a student the other day, two students. One saw my story on my author account and I'm like, well, this is frightening. And then I had another student follow, try and follow both accounts. So one obviously is for the public. It's meant for it to gain followers so a girl can sell some books. <laughs> the second one, no, no, no. Absolutely not. So I had to decline. And in person, I had to tell the kid, I was like, hey, listen, I don't mind if you follow my author account. It's meant for you to follow my journey. And so you could, you know, see, you know, updates on on my writing journey. I'm like, but the other one? Eh, no. And she was like, well, maybe if when you're not my teacher anymore. And I said, no, no, no. Maybe one day when you're 30. But before that, absolutely not. Yeah. So... It's just so, and also, can we just talk about the fact that Instagram, their guidelines state that you have to be 13 or older. Hey, in grade six, you're only 12. Y'all should not be on Instagram. I don't, even that age alone, like, it irks me. Yeah. Not the, no, not the grade sixers. It's the, really, Instagram? That's your policy? Yeah, that, that's like, a whole other mine's issue, too. that. Yeah, minds that young are so easily influenced yes. and impressionable. Like, whole oh, like the amount of like self-image problems that it can create is detri- like it's detrimental. Yeah. Um and what you see on social media is everybody's best self. You see them yeah. post like their good days and their best picture and I want to say a good 60% of the time, those best pictures are so edited. And so we are Mm -hmm. now allowing these young kids to see all of this. How can they possibly grow up liking themselves? Truly. You know, like adults have a hard time liking themselves when when they see these things on social media. Imagine a 14-year-old kid. Yeah, and it's that tender age where you're you're being exposed to so much more. Yes. Like, you're being exposed to so much more. Like, that bubble you had is, like, shattered, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or popped, I should say. Popped. <laughs> I was, uh, I heard this podcast the other day, and I can't remember the name. It was almost like I saw, like, a clip on Instagram, mm-hmm. ironically. And it was, this woman was recording a podcast with, I want to say, her husband or something. And she was saying, you know, a lot of the times girl experience very they're very self-conscious because of social media and they experience body image issues, which I agree with. And she said, and this is kind of off topic of like kids, but I just thought it was interesting to share. Mm -hmm. She said, when you are on social media, if you are somebody who tends to be self-conscious and who tends to think low of themselves, follow people that you feel look like you. Because when you're seeing people like you, you tend to think, oh, look, like there's people that look like me out there. It's not just these like six foot four tight ab models. There's people that look just like me. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. we're real too, you know, and you tend to focus on people that completely edit themselves to look a certain way. And you think that that's the standard when it's really, really not. You know, what's tricky too is I feel like the ones who can... It's not even like their intention is to distort our Mm self-image. I think the ones that are most popular tend to be uh, the ones that like who have this image, you know, Mm -hmm. 
it's like a, like they have the most followers so i think it's like we associate the numbers with mm-hmm. the level of person if that yeah. lack of a better explanation like yeah um someone who has 50,000 followers is like you know an influencer so to say and you're like, oh my gosh, she has 50,000 followers. That means she is worthy of my mm-hmm. attention because she's captured the attention of so like of all these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if 50,000 people like her, then that must be what perfect is. That must be what people want to see. Mm-hmm. I started following this woman on Instagram. Her name is Charlie Howard. I think that's her name. And she's... She promotes what she calls squishy. Mm -hmm. So it's women bodies that are not like, you know, completely flat stomach, these really, really thin thin legs. She promotes like almost like average normal looking bodies. Mm -hmm. And after listening to that podcast, I found her and I'm like, I'm going to follow this woman because she looks normal. She looks how 90% of people look on the street. Yep. And if she's proud of herself and if she's, confident with the way she looks why couldn't I be that that was kind of like my mentality looking at it yeah um that hits me on so many levels because I am not like I'm of Asian like I'm Asian so a lot Mm -hmm. of these um adored and admired beauty qualities and features Mm -hmm. and all this stuff it's not they don't really fit me or like they're westernized or they're europeanized and so it's just like sometimes i wonder like where do i fit in all this (laughs) there is a really big lack of cultural diversity in the media whether it's movies or shows there is a i find there's a big lack of cultural diversity and yeah how can you know kids who or let's say, you know, of Asian descent, how can they look at a TV show and be like, oh, like, you know, I'm proud of me because he or she looks like me when all we see on TV are white people. Yeah. You know? But even, like, the Asian media, too, it's tricky, too. Like, that can be, like, a whole different topic another day. Okay. <laughs> but, like, even with, like, the Asian media, we'll too, like, the ones that are on screen in mm-hmm. the media being loved and adored have a huge following. Like, they have a certain look. And, like I said, mm-hmm. that's a whole different discussion right, <laughs> we can right. say for another day. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's just – it goes back to how – um, we need to reevaluate what is like we have to reevaluate what are the things that make a person um, what you know what are the underlying values that mm-hmm. we should um, uphold for a person yeah, yeah. is yeah. it their looks is it because they have these big eyes is it because they have a flat stomach I think you know and even people who let's say somebody who's in a wheelchair when you're looking at advertisements, you rarely see people in wheelchairs or people with mm-hmm. like a prosthetic leg. And I saw this this image on Instagram of this little girl in a wheelchair looking up an advertisement of this woman in a wheelchair. Oh and the caption gosh. was, my kid finally saw somebody that looks like her. And it oh. was in like this like pharma pre ad. Like it wasn't even, you know, like this whatever. It was It was a pharmacy ad and she was so happy to see this because it was somebody in a wheelchair who looked like her. Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be bigger representation of different people besides, you know, the typical westernized white person that we are so used to seeing because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there are so many other people that are not being represented. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, even we were talking about it today about First Nation people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were having this whole discussion how on some reserves, they haven't had clean water in 25 years. Like, how, yeah. how is that okay? That's like a basic human need is not being met. When yeah. Everywhere, and I'm not going to say everywhere else, but let's say like if we're thinking of, of Quebec, you know, like on reserves in Quebec, they don't have clean water. But why do I have clean water and they don't? Yeah, and they're being denied. It's like they're being denied. Yeah. Yeah, And I taught about First Nations people in school to my mm-hmm. grade sixes. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to teach them about different groups of people because I think they need to be aware. Yes. And we talked about their culture, about the spirituality, um, 
we talked about, you know, like how storytelling is really important in their in their culture. Yeah. And then we talked about reserves and we talked about, um, uh, oh my God, I'm like losing my words. We talked about uh, residential schools and yeah. the effects that it had. And it was very much, you know, I was kind of told like, be careful what you tell them. They're young. I think they still need to know. So they're about I, to go into high school. Like, how much more do we need to be careful of? They're going to be exposed to so much more things from like the older kids. Like, I don't right. And is yeah. that something we need to censor? So I took in that advice, but I went ahead and taught it anyways. And we ended up watching The Secret Path. I don't know if you heard about it. Yes. So we, I have the book, but I showed them like the video clip. So because it's, you know, like it's a moving video and there's, uh, Gordon, Gordon, uh, Gordon Downey's music. Mm -hmm. And there were tears from some of the kids who really felt for Chaney. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you see him remembering, you know, his life. Yeah. And I don't think it was a bad thing for some of the kids to, to shed some tears. I think it showed that they were empathetic. Yeah. So I was and kind of like, well, I'm not going to censor it too much because I think they deserve to know. Yeah. But even like, um, I was given a book last year by this beautiful parent and it was a book from Scholastic. So thank you so much Scholastic for publishing <laughs> these books that are like inclusive and they're like really pushing the boundary for, to teach and they're not set. Like it's great. They're teaching mm -hmm. they're, these hard-to-talk-about issues through picture books, and it's amazing. So shout-out to them. Um, not sponsored, by the way, you guys. Uh, <laughs> but You she can sponsor gets, us. It's okay. You can, <laughs> but just know, everyone who's listening, we're not sponsored. <laughs> not yet. So not if yet, you'd like to be the you know, first one. True. we got to put it out there for it to <laughs> manifest. Sorry, getting off topic here. Uh, they, she gifted me this beautiful book and it was called uh, Je ne suis pas un numéro and it was like in oh, English. I love that book. Yeah, they translated the book in English and French and it was, um, you know, it's, if you're not uh, familiar with French, it's I am not a number and it goes to talk about uh, the residential school system in a way where it's uh, friendly. Like the vocabulary is understanding mm -hmm. it's easy to comprehend and mm -hmm. that's like a really like that's a tough thing to talk about and it is 100 percent. that book did it so well uh if i will uh once i post this on the blog i will post the the author's name because that book needs to be shared with others i 100 percent. and that is a, a great book actually the great six has read it in french this year mm-hmm Something that somebody had told me, um, who is of like First Nation descent, she said, because when I was at Ottawa, I created a website about the secret path that had access to resources for teachers to use. Mm -hmm. And she said something so interesting. She goes, I don't want the only thing people know about First Nation people is the residential schools because there's so much more to us. Oh, they have such a rich history Yeah, that goes... Like it could, yeah, it's true. Like, uh, that's true. Like we shouldn't be, they shouldn't be just, um, recognized just for that awful treatment that they went, that they've gone through and the aftermath of it. Like they should be recognized for the amazing culture that they bring into this world and how, like the art that they've, mm -hmm. um, they've shared, like the stories that they share, like they're like a beautiful people. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think the same could be said for other cultures, too. I think mm -hmm. <laughs> we tend to focus on, like, all of the struggles that they went through and, like, the, you know, the big moments in that culture's time when they faced, you know, racism and, and, and hardships. And we should learn about those things, but also mm -hmm. we should learn about their culture and, you know, like, celebrations that they have, their religion, like, also learning about the other things, too, not always focusing on... Uh, or focusing in addition to their, their struggles, if, mm -hmm. if you get what I'm saying. Yes, completely. Um, yeah, because like it's this, because we live in North America and there's that whole discussion of like the whitewashing of the mm -hmm. curriculum, you know, that's yeah. across the country. So yeah, I'm glad and I'm glad that I was able to be in 
um, a court like a university course about indigenous culture and their heritage mm-hmm. and their history because I think about that class all the time and yeah. I carry that with me so I when I have to teach like social studies to my students I always make sure what I explain goes beyond the book right so that yeah. they're you know it goes beyond the book the textbook because the textbook can only say so much right Mm-hmm. Completely. And something that caused me to kind of go beyond the book, like you're saying, is that one of the students this year, and I can't remember like what grade or whatever, but they didn't know what the Holocaust was. Oh, dear. And that was so frightening. Oh, dear. Because that is such like a huge moment in history that you would almost think, how do you not know? But what has happened in education that a child doesn't know what the Holocaust is? Yeah. It, just, it was so... And because, because um, the teacher had told me about that, and I can't remember who it was or where I heard it, but it happened this year, that caused me to go back into my lesson plans and say, okay, we're going to do some learning this year to make sure that we know all about the big moments in history, but also that we're learning about the people behind the culture as well yeah because it really goes back to like we don't want history to repeat itself again and it seems like it's kind of looking like that these days how our history is repeating itself all over again and that's why like that was it's an eye-opening thing that is like a wake-up call for like okay we need to this is what i need to be teaching you know curriculum yeah, yeah but this is crucial because it happened and we mm-hmm. don't want it to happen again and we don't want the like xenophobia racism all these things genocide happening again do you want to hear something else frightening that happened with somebody who was much older than grade six oh dear so this person was in their early 20s i'm gonna say Mm -hmm. and there was um oh my god well it was um oh my god the day that happens in november we're so gonna edit this yep (laughs) <laughs> the, day, the day that happens in November. Remembrance Day? Remembrance Day. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't edit it to show that I have serious teacher brain on March break that I kept saying Memorial Day in my head. Okay. Oh, dear. Yeah, this is my life now. So, Remembrance Day. And we do a celebration at uh, at school for Remembrance Day. And we go to this, like, you know, place in Montreal in order to have a moment of silence, to sing O Canada, to, do, to have some kids, you know, say some poems... Flanders Field, all that, mm-hmm. which I think is nice. However, this person said, well, I don't really care about Remembrance Day because it happened in the past. It's over and done with. Like, let's move on. Oh, and I went, oh, no. And it j- <sighs> okay. I know. I need, I need, I need. Clutch it. my pearls, yo. And I, I'm all... <laughs> hold my earrings so (laughs) clutch my pearls so I'm always the kind of person that likes to see things from two perspectives I am such a Libra also hi get ready we're gonna talk about astrology a lot (laughs) um so I'm an extreme Libra in the sense that I'm I think about things from both perspectives and I am always kind of like the person that tries to you know ease the tension and and you know play fair yeah so I really really tried to see it from that person's perspective but oh my rising no my moon sign is a Taurus and the Taurus and me came out and I went oh no 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 yeah we are remembering soldiers that have died so we could be here and so we're not maybe we're maybe we're not gonna let that go mm-hmm. I just I, so not only is it you know we're saying, hey, this 10-year-old didn't know about the Holocaust, but hey, guess what? This 22-year-old said that we don't really need to do Remembrance Day because guess what? It happened in the past, and we're past it now. Oh, boy. Which is really, uh, it's a very narrow-minded view. I mean, I could go in, but I'm going to be a bit PC on here because <laughs> not trying to get canceled already. Um, and it's narrow-minded because, yeah, and... It's narrow-minded because there's still wars going on. There's still conflicts going on. There's still, like, these... There's, like, we're not, like, a peaceful world yet. 
I have hope. I'm being an optimist here. I'm like, I'm hoping for a peaceful world, but we still haven't reached that yet. So to say that it happened in the past, like, no, no, it's still happening in different countries. Just because you don't know about it, just because you isn't not happening where you live, does not mean it's not happening elsewhere. But also, does that mean that because, you know, that war happened in the past that we should say the same thing about the Holocaust, that we should say the same thing about residential schools. Or slavery. Slavery. Should we say, well, it happened in the past, so let's just kind of move on. Oh, like the slave, like, yeah, like it's, let's move on. How long are you going to hold on to this? Like, it's such a, like, it's completely dismissing an entire group of people's sentiments, you know, like sentiments, feelings, history, like, it's completely dismissing that, like, there's, what they went through yeah I, and what uh, they're still I going through because there's people there's an aftermath there's like consequences mm-hmm. for those terrible things that happen and all those things that happened so far away ago that we should forget about people are still dealing with mm-hmm. so no we are not going to forget about it because we are not that ignorant as a society i hope so listeners if you are listening to this and you are you, if you agree with us, join, join the teachers, join us in changing and properly educating. And you can also see that we don't just talk about teacher things. We went from classroom to Instagram to world issues. Yeah. We're versatile. So we are. We're very exciting. I'm trying. Well, you can't see, you guys can't see this, but like I'm buying my lashes right now. Just, you know, <laughs> to be cheeky. <laughs> I am sitting next to my slightly overweight cat, and we are bonding as I rant about world issues. Well, he's just kind of looking at me like I'm crazy. Oh, his little face. He's so cute. Um, but yeah, he's my, he's my podcast buddy, guys. Say hello to Hemingway, who's judging all of you. <laughs> Actually, no. Hemingway just loves food he's like his inner soul is like a 35 year old no he's like an 18 year old boy who like is getting his his growth spurt and who's eating nonstop. <laughs> he enjoys mcdonald's muffins subway chicken with the cheese um he also enjoys kale so really great cat that cat sounds like a millennial <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, he's a millennial. Especially with a name like Hemingway. Like, he sounds like the ultimate Hemingway. The ultimate millennial, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. So hipster. (laughs) Um, So, here we were having coffee today saying, you know what? We're going to make the first episode like half an hour and we're 47 minutes in. I mean... We knew this was going to happen, though. We're per- I mean, this is free therapy, so I okay. think I think most therapy sessions usually end in an hour. I think we're I think we're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? Uh, we're going to edit this out. Should we wrap up here? I think so. I okay. think so. We did pretty. We did yeah. Good. Okay, I'm going to come up with an outro. Well, we're going to end off here. Otherwise, if we keep going, we're going to keep ranting about other subjects that we care about. And we need but, more content for the next, the future episodes, too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if we could, we'd probably talk for four hours, and then we'd have nothing left to talk about for the next four episodes. And then we'd probably break up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd go through all, all, all the emotions in one single episode. <laughs> so, Hems is going to say his goodbye while he sleeps next to me, and we are going to say, what are we going to say? Do you subscribe to this? I don't know how this works. Um... Yeah, I mean, check out for check out further episodes on my website, which is infinitelyvicky.com, um, under the tab, the After School Special Podcast. And very soon, we're going to be on Spotify once we get this episode so going. So, people follow on Spotify. That's how it works. I sound yeah. like an 87-year-old woman. <laughs> yes. Follow um, on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe soon we'll have to venture into Apple Music, but uh, we'll, we shall see. And I'm going to do a slight plug. So there is a website that I may or may not have created mm-hmm. um, called eduword, eduword.org. And I, not me, maybe not me, we sell resources for English language arts teachers that are very affordable, Canadian friendly. 
Um, and things range from reading response outlines to full-out lesson plans. And there's even conversation cards for ESL learners. So head on over to the website that I did not make, maybe. Um, <laughs> and if you are <laughs> struggling to find lesson plans or resources that fit, like, Canadian classrooms, especially catered towards Quebec curriculum, you can go on over and purchase some. They are very affordable. And on eduword, eduword.org, I'll also be uploading the podcast as well. As well. Mm-hmm. It should be up and running by Friday. So you can also check us out on there and follow us on Spotify. Look at me. I'm learning. <laughs> um, word to everything she said. <laughs> yeah, we need some sort of like goodbye i don't know how this works um i guess till next time until we kind of find a catchy goodbye slogan thing we're gonna test it out yeah all right well until then teacher and non-teacher friends we look forward to hearing from you and we hope you love listening to us as much as we love listening to ourselves and if you have nothing nice to say keep like don't say like you've got nothing nice to say keep that to yourself man seriously (laughs) i don't want your negativity in my life (laughs) no i will sage your at oh nope (laughs) keeping it pc i will sage you if you bring that negativity into my spotify account so please all right thanks for listening thanks till next time bye